0: Good morning and welcome to the Dungeon Musings Podcast. My name is Kevin Madison and I will be your friendly Dungeon Muser today. Today I want to talk about a a pretty positive experience I had over the weekend with uh, one particular game and uh, uh, I mean largely because I I feel like the last couple of episodes have been pretty negative so I do want to talk about something um, positive, a really uh, great experience that I I had which was um, going, I mean honestly felt an awful lot like going home again, uh, where going home again was both horrifying and really um, comfortable. Comfortable in a rejuvenating kind of way too, not comfortable in uh, falling in a rut kind of way. So anyway, with that uh, hopefully tantalizing intro, let's get to the episode. Okay, so this weekend, or this past weekend, um, we had scheduled our regular Warhammer Fantasy roleplay fourth edition uh, session, and then we had lost uh, one person because of Avengers Endgame, which is completely understandable, Uh, and we lost another person uh, because of uh, just, uh, you know, exhaustion throughout the week and and whatever. So at the last minute, I kind of found myself with uh, trying to come up with something I wanted to run, and because, or something to replace it, I, I, I really didn't have the time or energy myself. To, um, to try and come up with a, uh, a whole new session, for, or a new session for this particular character uh, for whole cloth. I had not had any, you know, ideas uh, kicking around in my head for, uh, for backups. Uh, so um, I flipped the last uh, player who, or the one player who was available, um, a couple options, And uh, one of those was to jump into the Call of Cthulhu starter set. Uh, In the last, I think it's the last year, at least at the time of recording last year, uh, Chaosium released a uh, starter set that was incredibly well received. Like, the uh, reviews for it were nothing but glowing. And um, regular listeners of the podcast may know that uh, I have a very storied history with uh, Call of Cthulhu. um, Back in the... Uh, days or the uh, dark days of my high school experience, uh, we we had kind of uh, grown away from uh, AD&D uh, at the time. It would have been AD&D Second Edition, and uh, we were running more. Um, I mean, uh, things like the uh, World of Darkness games. Uh, the f- I think the first three were out at the time we were in high school. But the game we played the most was Call of Cthulhu. Uh, We ran tons and tons and tons of uh, Call of Cthulhu. We ran every um, adventure out of the uh, core rulebook. We ran the, uh, every adventure we could get our hands on in the Challenge magazines, because, uh, GDW used to have this, uh, kind of like a rival to Dragon, but instead of having, well, actually, it was more a rival to Dungeon, and it published adventures for a bunch of different, uh, role playing games, including Call of Cthulhu, so, yeah, so we used to, we used to run just a ton of that stuff, uh, back in the day, and it was all set in the 20s, too, it wasn't modern day, it wasn't, uh, Victorian, it was all the 1920s stuff, and, um, the last time, in retrospect, the last time I ran a game like uh, I ran a game set in the twenties is probably more than twenty years ago. You know, it's just it has been um, in the every time I have run a uh, Cthulhu style game in the uh, in the interim, uh, anytime after that, uh, it is um, it's usually been Delta Green. You know, like the I. About uh, I don't know it was three or four years ago when the agents handbook came out for Delta Green. That's when I started running Delta Green again, and um, it's not it's not to say I haven't made use of Cthulhu content. Uh, it's just that you know that's a particular game, I, and in, in particular the 20 setting. I hadn't gotten to the table in, in a really really long time, even though I'd spent so much time with it as a as a kid. And um, so we we got the game to the table. We uh, created a character, which was very, very easy. You know, creating characters in in, uh, Call of Cthulhu is pretty straightforward. And then we got to playing... um, We had another player actually join us afterwards, too. Someone who wasn't in our Warhammer game. And uh, we got to running just the first of the um, short scenarios out of uh, the starter set. And the adventure is called uh, Paper Chase. And it's a pretty, it's a very straightforward kind of thing. It just helps the players get acquainted with what you do in a Call of Cthulhu-style adventure. Um, you know, and, and I mean, in um, Call of Cthulhu, the, uh, the, and any kind of investigative game like that, like Nice Black Agents or um, uh, Delta Green or Call of Cthulhu, it, it requires a little bit of reorienting in terms of the players' expectations for what they do in a game. You know, um, I, I find that sometimes players when, uh, if they're not already familiar with running, you know, Call of Cthulhu or playing an extensive amounts of Call of Cthulhu, they, um, they may require just some reminding like, you know, in this game, what you need to do is if you've got clues, see where those lead. And then once you run out of clues, try and find ways to get more clues. And then that will help you reveal or uncover whatever is going on. And, um, uh anyway, we uh holy smokes, did we have a good time. Like it's just uh, the newest edition um introduces a couple new things that uh I were not in the version I played and I think the version I played was either third or fourth edition. I think it was fourth edition called the Cthulhu was the one I I ran um which had this white cover with, you know, obviously Cthulhu on the cover as as is very often the case. Um And uh, anyway, like the the two major innovations were... uh, Actually, there's three innovations. One of them was this idea of uh, having a a luck statistic that you could spend as a resource. So you could spend that stuff to uh, uh, change or to affect your your dice rolls, which is really cool. I like that a lot. Um, And they also have another mechanic called pushing. And what it was was that uh, you... If you didn't, so if you made a dice roll, for those who are unfamiliar with Call of Cthulhu, you uh, you roll percentile dice to determine all task resolution, and that's all both uh, with skills uh, or with um, any. uh, Sorry, one moment here. Any skills or any uh, characteristic tests or anything like that. Uh, And uh, what you can do is you can spend the. the luck you can spend points from that to uh, to affect the, the whatever you rolled, so you could bump it up, or you know, so you could make it so, or rather not bump it up. You could uh, spend those points to bump the effective skill up, so that you um, uh, your uh, dice results are are successes and that is, uh, that's great. I think that's a really great way because the, it, it, it's not, an, for one thing, it's not an unlimited resource. And for another thing, you know, luck is a stat that you actually use sometimes. Like you'll, to see whether someone to turn, you know, stumbles across something or whether they're plan to kind of catch the monster, um, you know, in their lair or whatever, uh, that requires a, what are you doing? Holy smokes. A hazard. Sorry. I'm uh, obviously recording while I'm driving and some lady has decided to stop on the freeway, which is, of course, what you signed up for to listen to those podcasts, is my play-by-play of my drive home. Anyway, the... uh, Good Lord. Um, What I was um, uh, saying is the... the, Your luck, by, by spending that resource, it means that you're less lucky, you know? So, like, you're less... If... You know, so you you might make the um, if there's you know a, a monster that's going to jump out and do something to one member of the party, you might have everyone make a luck check, and whoever fails it by the worst or whoever succeeds by the least, um, they're going to be the ones who are affected. So you know that there is a consequence for spending that resource. The other option is to, to push your test, which is that if you roll your dice and you don't like the result, then uh, you can push your luck and roll again, but if, uh, if you fail a second time, then there is a significant consequence. There's something really bad that happens. And that's awesome. Like it's really, it was a lot of fun, uh, watching people push their, you know, push their roles, uh, because they knew that, oh gosh, things are going to get really bad. And, uh, we had a couple of times where the push failed and there was a pretty, you know, entertaining, uh, consequence from that. And that was, that was great. And, uh, the final one is the idea of the advantage, uh, dice or the drawback dice. I can't remember if that's actually what they're called, but basically it's, it's similar to advantage in D and D where you're rolling, you know, two dice. Uh, in this case, you're rolling two 10 digit dice and taking the best, uh, you know, of the two, but you can actually get more than one. So you might have like two, uh, setback dice or two advantage dice. And, uh, that was really cool that that also was was really fun, and it was neat seeing the players trying to come up with explanations for why they would be entitled to those or seeing the uh, the consequence of uh, failing them oh and the, the chase rules are new in this one too, and they're much more uh, gamified uh, in this than they were in uh in, by which I mean like kind of abstracted and given kind of a uh, a mechanical framework in which to to you know roll through those and uh it was pretty fun. It, you know, it, ours was just to uh, model a chase through a cemetery, they were running after uh, some formless creature, trying to, or not uh, formless, it had a form, it was a misshapen um, figure of a man, or silhouette of a man, and they wanted to catch up with that thing, so they went racing after it, and uh, it, those rules proved to be pretty fun, so um, what that left me thinking, you know, I've been bitching about a lot about a bunch of different games over the last little while about um you know level based advancement milestone advancement and one of the neat things with this one was you know like a lot of basic role playing I mean I, I'm not even a lot I think all of them um the way that you get advancement in the in that game was you know you would tick off your um your skills that you successfully used and then you at the end of the session you get to roll And uh, for each of those, and if you roll over it, then you get to add 1d10 to that skill, so eh, there's a feeling of, you know, intuitive and naturalistic advancement with that uh, character, so, you know, all those things taken together, we had some really fun role-playing, we had some fun little dice, you know, dice mechanic mini-games, and we had a it it was just overall like a really really great adventure. It was a, a lot of fun, and there wasn't an awful lot to it, you know. Like, in in terms of uh, what was happening, like if you look sat down and made a bullet point of you know the things that actually happened in the game, they were not. Let's not a very long list, but it was thoroughly entertaining, and this is with characters who were brand new, you know, to the uh, players. So, um, I what that's left me with is a, is a strong excuse me, a strong desire to get uh, Call of Cthulhu back to the table again uh, very soon. That's the seventh edition uh, that I'm talking about. And uh, I am also really interested in exploring the uh, Pulp Cthulhu uh, supplement because I love, love, love the idea of a pulp game. You know, like uh, Pulp Hero was something I had back in the day. Um, The, what's it called, Uh, Justice Incorporated that was published for Champions was something I loved. The Adventure uh, role-playing game uh, was published as part of the... Uh, what do they call The Trinity. Um, or... Uh, gosh, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, it's uh, the White Wolf series of lines. There was three of them. There was uh, Adventure, aberrant uh, and... Was it Trinity? I don't know. Anyway, the... Uh, um, the those games... Uh, the first one was set in kind of a 30s pulp era... Uh, and it was just awesome, I had so many really fun, neat ideas. And I have never gotten that game to the table. I don't expect I will either, just because it's such a um, it's such a different dice mechanic, and I'm not sure I'd find players who would, you know, sign up or be willing to play that kind of game. However, with uh, Pulp Cthulhu, yeah, that game plays as well as uh, you know this or that supplement plays as well as what Call of Cthulhu did, and that's what my understanding is: is that. That's what it does, is it just really... It adds a set of parameters and, and uh, new rules for putting the uh, Call of Cthulhu-style adventures through a pulp lens, which I think is awesome. Like, that, that sounds like a shit-ton of fun if we're playing, you know, pulp horror adventures with the characters playing Airsatz versions of uh, The Shadow or, you know, Tarzan or whatever... Um, I uh, I'm a huge huge fan of the planetary uh, comic, and uh, the first couple of issues of that really have a, a terrific pulp sensibility to them. And then there's a couple of ones that revisit those those uh, characters, and I love that stuff. I love that idea of uh, running a a you know uh, a, 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 an adventure uh, campaign that is set in in that era in that weird. You know, uh, mid-war or or, uh, between the wars era, Um, the elements of ideology are so interesting during that time. The stark contrast between you know uh, the affluence of some of the rich and the catastrophic um, uh, poor, Um, and then also, I mean, the, the the impact of the Great Depression on the society as a whole. Uh, as well as the political upheavals throughout Europe in that period, Spanish Civil War happens during that period. It's just a fascinating time period uh, that to set adventures in, and um, and anyway, this so that I just I, I I had such a good time running that it for one, it reminded me of all the fun we had as kids playing uh, Call of Cthulhu, or uh, for me running it. Uh, I, I just love that game. It's um, it really it, you know. The game is no more than what you need to uh, to have a really terrific time with a horror adventure, and and it, it's extraordinarily fun too. It's such a fun experience, both from the the players, uh, for the players, you know, going through and experiencing those kinds of mysteries and uh, the uh scares and you know and and frights and whatnot that you get from playing that kind of game and and for the dm you know for seeing the players go through that seeing the players think through and try and figure out what's going on and also you know freaking them out with your uh overly elaborate you know um descriptions and whatnot like it's just boy was a lot of fun and it's got me thinking about the possibilities that that you could find it's also really got me thinking again uh, you know, reinforcing some of the suspicions I have about RuneQuest, about what I think I would enjoy about that, and it's actually on, on a, interestingly on a related note, it has me looking at some of the Mithras stuff because Mithras, for those who are unfamiliar, Mithras is, from my understanding, just a, a renamed version of RuneQuest Sixth Edition, and uh, it differs from RuneQuest Golarintha in uh, some uh, in some ways, particularly the uh, combat and the uh, yeah, the combat system in particular is, is quite different. Um, but, uh, there's a supplement for that called Luther Arkwright, or it's a, maybe it's a standalone game, but, uh, in any event, what it is, is, is a, it's based on a British comic that features this weird kind of interdimensional, kind of like a, uh, cross between, um, I think the character's name is Gideon Stargrave, who's a Michael Moorcock, um, character who is like a, uh uh, interdimensional super spy now i actually might be confusing stargrave with stargrave may be one of the things that is a clone an Airsat's version of morcock's character so if i am fucking that up please let me know but uh it feels like a cross between that character and then the the ones that are um that have been uh the sort of like Airsat's versions of that character with dr who so there's there's Dimensional travel and, but there's a lot more gunplay and violence involved in it than there is in uh, in Doctor Who, and that runs on the uh, basic role playing system, something very similar to RuneQuest. So it's got me th- thinking that um that might be an interesting campaign to to look into. I have that that uh, source book, but I've only really flipped through it a little bit, so maybe I, I need to dive in a little more into that. That might be something interesting as well too. Um, and it's also got me looking at. Um, on Cthulhu too. I've got a pretty good slate of uh, our collection of those books and uh, I had not uh, run them just because I was undecided as to whether I was going to use the uh, the basic role-playing system for that or use Savage worlds and then I got distracted by other stuff. but you know if Pulp Cthulhu is as much fun as I think it might be, it would be there's probably a lot I shouldn't say there's probably I know there's a lot of really interesting stuff that I could steal from those products. You know, I could even kludge together my own version of uh, a pulp kind of world if I want, because some of the supplements that have been published for um, the, what do you call it, Uh, for the Acton Cthulhu uh, system include mashups, a series of mashup products, uh, including ones that um, one mashes up with uh, Godbound, or uh, Godlike, I should say, a superhero role-playing game set in the 30s, so that's pretty cool yeah give you some rules for you know grounded superheroics in uh the uh, you know in the in the kind of Cthulhu tradition uh or Cthulhu system I should say um and there's another one that is based on um uh dust which is this cool kind of like mecha combat in World War II thing so if i wanted to have like mechas and superheroes i could easily do that alongside my other pulp Cthulhu stuff so just like my, um, you know, how much I I'm enjoying mixing up stuff in my astonishing swordsman and sorcerers of Hyperborea uh, campaign, where I draw on a bunch of different uh, resources, you know, ranging from AD&D books to Pathfinder books to fifth edition d and books to third-party stuff that's been published for other games, to um, so Lamentations of the Flame Princess material, you know, all that stuff goes together to make for um, the best campaign I think I can run with Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. I could do the exact same thing with my Cthulhu game. And for that matter, actually, I got a copy of uh, Raiders of uh, Relie—Relier, I should say, uh, as well, which is sort of a um, Indiana Jones meets Pulp Cereal meets Cthulhu, you know, uh, game that that actually is set in the 30s as well, too. And I understand that's got some good improvised or good rules for improvised conspiracies as well, too. Hmm. So anyway, um, obviously I have a lot of um, ideas to process here uh, to think about what, um, you know, what steps I want to take in light of what I have learned. But, you know, I I think that after the last couple of episodes where I've been, it maybe sounds like I'm, uh, you know, I've got negative things to say about my, the games I'm running or the games I had perspective, I've got plan to run. I wanted to come back with a positive episode because boy did I have a good time running that on Friday, and I really can't wait to run uh, Call of Cthulhu again. If you are curious about Call of Cthulhu, or you're a lapsed player like me, one of the lapsed faithful, and you're wondering about coming back to the, you know, uh, the Lovecraftian fold, um, the starter set really is terrific. It's um, it's got uh, three. There's that Paper Chase adventure, which I won't spoil in, in the event that you might want to play it. Um, and then there's two or three other, I think there's three other adventures that are in there, two of which are old time classics. Like two of them are from the original, or at least the version of the rules, um, uh, that I had way back in the day. And I'm looking forward to running those again for some of my players who are new to Call of Cthulhu. Now, I mean, to be honest, I could probably run it for my older players too. They won't remember because, you know, we're all old. <laughs> it's been more than two decades since we played those adventures. So, um so I would check it out, you know, I mean, it's, it's definitely worth, it's good value for money, it's the production value, as with everything that uh, KOCM puts out lately, is really terrific, um, and actually, on the, if you're just curious about seeing what the episode is like, um, I've, there's a, an episode of, uh, recently, of uh, the, uh, of this, of that Call of Cthulhu, Uh, game on my youtube channel so on on the dungeon musings youtube channel there's a four-hour session that features character creation and playing through that paper chase uh, scenario so anyway um that's kind of all i wanted to talk about today i don't have any other grander schemes to talk about Uh, i I have got the game selected for my gaming marathon i for those who listened to my last uh, episode i i did kibosh the Dragon Heist uh, game, and and, uh, actually, you know, maybe I should talk about that in a separate segment. So let's uh, put a pin in Cthulhu here. Um, He'll regenerate anyway, and then I'll talk about the uh, gaming marathon and uh, something that has come out of that decision that I think is also positive. Okay, so the other positive thing that has come out of the the last little while is, since I recorded my Um, my last episode, I, uh, I actually, I made a decision on Dragon Heist and, uh, what my decision was, was that I'm going to run something, uh, different for the, um, for the gaming marathon this year. I just, I, I did not, uh, you know, it, it, for all the reasons I set up in the last episode, it just really didn't seem like Dragon Heist was the, the right fit for, um, you know, for that particular, uh, venue, or, and for, I mean, to be honest, for me, like, for me as a DM, it, it just was not a, uh, not the right, uh, not the right fit. However, um, what I decided to do, rather than make no use out of the Dragon, that Platinum Edition, uh, Dragon Heist box set that I got from, uh, Beetle and Grimm, what I decided to do was to set up a, uh, raffle. Um, you know, for those who, May be unfamiliar. Um, I, I run a charity uh, fundraising initiative on our channel. I, we don't run a, a Patreon. We don't run, a, you know, like um, any kind of ads or anything like that to monetize the channel. The only thing I do is I, I run a uh, um, a charity fundraising initiative called Heroes Save Villages. And what we've elected to do, we I keep saying we in the royal sense. This is a bad lawyer uh, tendency to talk about ourselves in the plural. Uh, what I did was, um, oh, hello, sweetie, uh, was to um, to set up this this uh, uh, raffle, and the grand prize for the raffle, I decided, was going to be the Dragon Heist uh, Platinum Edition game, and um, then I started thinking about some of the other stuff I've got in my library, because I, in my own personal library, I've got some accidental duplicates where I bought two copies of something because... You know, I bought one copy, and then I got a box set uh, that had another copy of it. Or I got slipcases, and I had an extra copy left over. Or I purchased something thinking that I didn't have it, but I've, when I got home, I found I had it in the library. So I collected all of those together, and I decided I'll keep, I'll give, I'll include those as smaller rewards. And then I uh, I recorded a video to announce it, to to set it out, and and set the criteria. So now what? To, it, the way it's going to work is uh, anybody can go to the Heroes Save Villages uh, charity fundraising page which is uh, linked for the SOS Children's Villages International Charity and for every $25 that's donated uh, then they get entered once into the raffle and then on July 1st I'm going to be drawing names and uh, we're not actually drawing we're going to create random encounter tables as is appropriate for a gaming channel and, uh, and we're going to roll live and we'll see. We're not going to show everyone's name who's on the chart. But the people who win, they'll be let known. You know, they're going to f- know that they, uh, they won it. Um, and then after I did that, I, I also contacted a bunch of um, uh, publishers to, uh, to see if any publishers wanted to uh, support the, uh, the initiative. And I was very pleasantly surprised to hear back from uh, a couple. Not in, the big guys, I have not heard back from. Uh, Paizo, I contacted. I've heard nothing from them. Uh, Wizards, any of the people working at Wizards, none of them responded even to tweets or, or emails or anything. So, I'm apparently uh, beneath their notice. But the um, uh, and I shouldn't say that. I mean, it's it's what I imagine they're they're uh, inundated with uh, with requests. But what I am happy to to have found is that a number of publishers of some of my favorite games uh, were quite happy to support the um, the initiative or the uh, raffle. So we've got. Cubicle 7 uh, supplied a brand new copy of their new Warhammer 4th Edition uh, Fantasy Roleplay Core Rulebook uh, for that, as well as some PDFs. Um, we've got full sets of PDFs of the Conan uh, role-playing game and the Star Trek role-playing game from uh, Modiphius. Uh, we've got uh, brand new copies of the um, uh Night's Black Agents, or uh, not, I shouldn't say brand new copies, or PDFs of the... Knights of Agents uh, role playing game um, and the uh, newest edition of uh, Mutant City Blues, which just came out uh, again in PDF. So it's just, it, it was really nice to hear back from those um, publishers and, and to, who were happy to, to donate some stuff to help make the, uh, the, help, or to hopefully make the uh, raffle a success and uh, raise some money for the, uh, SOS Children's Villages International charity. So after I made that decision, that just that felt a lot better. I felt you know that there was something I didn't want this this thing to just sit on my shelf. In particular, given that I I, I you know how I sort of felt about the product, And I did want to try and make some productive use out of it. So hopefully this will uh, between now at the time of recording and July 1st, we uh, people are are free to make uh, donations and uh we'll see how it goes you know i mean so far we've had a, a handful of donations but it is early in the year and, or early in the year it's early in the cycle and people may i'm hoping that people are just kind of waiting for payday waiting for uh an opportunity uh or a time a little closer to the actual draw when they might jump in to uh try and win it on one either the grand prize or one of the smaller prizes oh fantasy flight as well fantasy flight uh did get back to me and i can't remember what they've offered as well but uh for me I, like I've donated uh, the two core rule books for Delta Green, um, the core rulebook for Legend of Five Rings, um, the Fantasy Fight Version, core rulebook for RuneQuest, ro- um, RuneQuest, roleplay in Glorantha, and then a handful of other uh, things including some, uh, a book for Conan, some uh, a book for the uh, one ring role playing game, and the some source books for Rippers a uh, gothic horror kind of superhero, like street-level superhero setting for Savage Worlds. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think that even in, in, while I did have that negative um, kind of uh, experience in, in when I recorded the last um, episode or, or was kind of in a negative state of mind, I think it was pretty cathartic because really I think something quite positive and productive came out of that and um and also uh, as of last night i hit send on the order for all the stuff i need for the supplies i need for the gaming marathon and boy oh boy am i excited for this one i i i'm uh, i've got the game that i'm going to run for our annual gaming marathon now we're going to still use the uh, gaming marathon to try and uh raise more money for the uh for the charity um and uh yeah, it's going to be... I don't want to spoil any surprises, but I, I've actually heard from the publisher on this one as well too uh, because of the, uh, I guess, the size of the, of the order. Um, but uh, but we, yeah, so it's it's great. I mean, I think it's going to be a really, really fun event. I'm uh, th- I'm as excited and jazzed about this idea that I've got for the Gaming Marathon as what I was and have been for all the other ones. So this is going to be... A, oh man, it's only a... 32 days away, 32 days away until the, at the time of recording, until we do the, uh, the gaming marathon. And I cannot wait. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. So, uh, so anyway, I mean, that's obviously two positive things that have uh, come out of that whole debacle with the, um, Dragon Heist, uh, adventure. So, uh, so yeah, so it, it seems that, uh, pause, that all gaming stuff is on a positive upswing at this point. Um, so maybe that's where I'll leave it. I'll leave it on a positive note and I'll make my way to the outro. So that's it for this week. Um, as always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, uh, regarding this episode, please don't hesitate to shoot me a voice message on anchor, uh, or shoot me an email at dungeon at gmail.com, or you can reach me on Twitter at dungeon musings. Um, also, so if you are interested in uh, checking out the uh, Heroes Save Villages raffle, um, please don't hesitate to head to the Heroes Save Villages. Uh, actually, just do a Google search for Heroes Save Villages. And uh, SOS Villages International, uh, their sub-site that ha- is for that campaign, should show up. Um, and then you can see on there, there's a video I shot that uh, gives the uh, full description of everything that's available and uh, everything that is um, is a prize uh, in... Um, in this uh, in this raffle, you've got until January uh, sorry July first to uh, make donations uh, to, or to get a, a tickets, and uh, each one you get uh, gives you an opportunity to run or to win a, uh, a copy of the grand prize, which is um, a five hundred dollar plus uh, U.S. Uh, product. So for the low low price of twenty five dollars Canadian, you could be entered. To, uh, to possibly win a, a pretty substantial grand prize. So um, anyway, until next time, I uh, hope that all is well wherever you may be and uh, happy gaming.